and welcome to another podcast by BNP Biber Wealth Management. Today we're going to talk about pets and why we love them so much. The COVID pandemic, the ensuing lockdowns, social distancing and even obligatory mask wearing seem long past, but some of our behaviours taken up during that period have stuck with us, one being that we've become increasingly dependent on our animals. We're adopting or buying more pets than in the last decade, and we're spending more on feeding, treating and caring for our furry friends. As of this year, 66% of US households own a pet, up from 56% in 1988, and 78% of pet owners surveyed by Forbes advisor acquired a pet during the pandemic. Not only is this good news for animals, but it's good news for us too. So in this podcast, we will discuss the benefits of having a pet around the house. My name is Charlotte de Capoisson. Today, Ed Shing, Global CIO of BNP Paribas Wealth Management, is my guest. Hello and welcome. Hello, Charlotte. Ed, I happen to know that you're an animal lover. The following is probably not a typical question you get asked by your clients, but what animals do you like and do you currently have a pet? Well, I have four children, so I didn't feel I needed any pets. But uh, as they've got older, you know, they've progressively left the house and we have somehow acquired two cats. And that provides a lot of peace and tranquility in the house. We know that COVID-19 and lockdowns ushered in a growing trend of pet ownership, mainly because we were spending much more time at home with plenty of time to care for our existing or newly acquired animals. And we're extending our choice of pets to beyond the most popular choice of dogs or cats to other mammals and fish, birds, reptiles and so on. Edmund, do you see any other reasons for this rise in pet ownership? Clearly, during COVID lockdowns, there was a boost in pet ownership because people were confined at home. So that's one key element that has driven an increase in pet ownership, both of cats and particularly of dogs, because, of course, um, dogs were a good excuse for going for a walk every day, even during lockdown. So that was one boost. I would also say just structurally, with ageing populations, older people also tend to have more pets, again, once their children leave home. And what is great about pets is they're very good in terms of companionship. So for particularly people who are either alone or just in a couple, you get that extra companionship from domestic pets for instance, cats and dogs, which is very, very beneficial. So I think they're the main drivers in terms of rise in pet ownership. But I think what's also important is that we're seeing rising spending on pets. It's not just the number of pets, but the spending per pet is also structurally going up as well. And specifically, what are the scientific or health benefits of having a pet around the house? Well, for the owners, which obviously it's also good for pets because they're well looked after, but for owners... I would say there are benefits in terms of both physical and mental health. The obvious ones are better fitness if you have, for instance, a dog, because you have to walk the dog every day. So it's not just the dog that's walking, it's also the owner. The owner is forced to do more steps. And if we look at walking as an example, there have been many studies showing that around four and a half thousand steps a day or more is very good for your health and leads to reduced incidence, reduced risk of, for instance, heart attacks as one as one key indicator. It also reduces stress. So if we come to the second point, mental health, it's definitely good for mental health, reducing stress levels and anxiety. For instance, stroking of cats has been shown to lower blood pressure because it lowers the level of stress and anxiety we feel. You want tends to sleep better as well. 
And also, you, if you own a cat, you can generally suffer from fewer allergies. So this is an interesting study, particularly amongst children, because they can develop a lot of allergies as they grow up. But if they live in a house where there is a cat, they tend to develop fewer allergies, not just pet allergies, but allergies generally, than children who grow up in a house without pets. So I think overall, we can say it's good for your physical health, it's good for your immune system, it's actually good for your mental health in terms of increased contentment and reduced incidence of depression. So I think there are plenty of very good reasons for us to own pets today. And yes, we're clearly spending more on animals as well. Did you know that in 2022, Americans spent $136.8 billion on their pets, up 10.68% from 2021? And although pet services like grooming, boarding, pet sitting, pet walking, training, logically took a hit during the pandemic on account of social distancing, reduced travel, the rise in remote working and so on, they're now bouncing back. And areas which are up and up are insurance, vet appointments, over-the-counter medicine, and of course, accessories, costumes and toys. You can now buy an electric flopping clownfish for your cat, a car seat for your dog, a high-tech automatic pet feeder or a huge exercise wheel. So in terms of revenue on the back of the rising trend in pet ownership, the industry in 2021 represented one of the most lucrative opportunities for online brands. And the bottom line is that we are truly humanising our animals celebrating their birthdays and taking them on holiday. More than 50% of both cat and dog owners give their pet a Christmas gift or treat. And secondly, we are premiumizing pet care and indulging them in luxury foods. 43% of dog owners and 41% of cat owners buy premium pet food. For many people, their pets are part of the family, so why not spoil them rotten? But Edmund, do you think that these trends are set to grow? Well, I do, because I think you're absolutely right. We do humanise our pets. And as a result of that, we do tend to spend more and more on premium pet foods. So not just the basic dog or cat food, but increasingly foods that either have better taste or which are adapted to their diets. For instance, there is special food for overweight cats. I know I have to buy it for my cats. You have to buy light croquettes, which have lower fat content than normal <laughs> cat food, which is, guess what? More expensive. I have another cat which has kidney problems, so I have to buy specialised food for cats with kidney problems. And guess what? It costs a lot more. But we do it because if we love our pets, we will go that extra mile. So I think both in terms of pet food, you are seeing increasing premiumization, looking after the, the cat or the dog's health so that they live a longer and better life, but it does cost more money. Secondly, I think in terms of animal health, we should also think about animal pharmaceuticals, medication, because that is also a very strong growth area, not just from going to the vets, not just in terms of vaccinations, but as I said, in terms of ongoing treatment for chronic diseases, such as, for instance, kidney disease in dogs and cats. I have to buy that every month. It is expensive, but it is a growth area. So I would say that uh, the two areas we've, I would particularly focus on would be premium pet foods, which is definitely a growth industry, but also animal healthcare, and particularly the pharmaceuticals for animals and the vaccines, which is also very clearly a growth area. And what you've just sort of touched on is that uh, talking about sort of health foods, a growing number of young people are connecting with animals and owning a pet before parenthood. For example, 52% of American consumers who bought pet products in 2021 were between the ages of 25 and 44. 
We know that millennials like the sustainability theme. So logically, they they also prefer to buy natural and organic products to give their pet a health existence. Do you agree with this, um, Ed, that it's across the generations that we're we're looking after pets? Absolutely, because what we also observe amongst younger people, as in millennials, is that they tend to have children, start to have children later in life. To give one example, Swedish women today tend to have their first child at the age, on average, of 33 years old, which is much later than the previous generations. And I think what we're finding, therefore, is that uh, younger people, instead of having children earlier in life, are having pets first and maybe children later. So I think that is definitely a growth segment as well. It's not just older people who are buying and looking after pets, but increasingly younger people living by themselves or as a couple as well. I would argue partly it's a child substitute because, frankly, having children is a huge responsibility. Having a pet, let's say a cat, is perhaps less of a responsibility. You obviously generate a lot of love and warmth, but it's not the same level of responsibility through your life as a child. So I think that's definitely a very big element. And on sustainable food products, I think that's absolutely right. Just as we are buying more sustainable food for ourselves, and there is, of course, the trend towards veganism, vegetarianism, and so on, and fake meat products, we are seeing something similar for animals as well. So again, part of this premiumization of pet food is also this trend towards more sustainable pet foods as well, which, again, are priced at a premium level. We observed that all aspects of the pet industry are booming. So how can people invest in the pet industry, Ed? Well, there are funds that invest specifically in the pet trends. You can find, for instance, exchange-traded funds in the US, which are specifically targeting everything to do with pet care and pet food. So that's one. Secondly, I would say it is part a sub-theme within a more general theme, for instance, of the ageing demographics. So you find a number of funds focused on the ageing demographics of which this pet sub-theme is a part. So I would say if you're investing in the ageing demographic theme, you're often also investing at least in part in this growth in pets as one of the sub-themes driving that. So I would say these are the two obvious ways today that we can invest in this growth segment. And of course, you can, of course, buy individual companies that either provide the animal health care, the medication, or also provide particularly the premium pet foods. And we can think of you know, the obvious names, there are companies such as Nestle, which are very big in the pet food arena. This is one of their big segments, many others besides, of course. So there are plenty of solutions here, plenty of ways to invest in this growing theme. Thank you very much, Edmund Sheng. And to our audience out there listening to this podcast, please like, share and subscribe to our weekly podcast by searching for BNP Paribas Wealth Management. Goodbye.